Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I am Dana K. White. I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 388. And I think I'm going to call it that one difficult spot or category of stuff. For example, from a former career. So I, um, Jennifer, who handles my email for me, and I do read all of your emails, right? You know, but she keeps it together for me. She um, had said, hey, Dana, I just wanted you to know, I feel like we've gotten a similar question to this a lot lately. So it might be a good podcast idea. And it just so happened that I was like, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And it was one of those moments where it's very helpful to have a specific idea for my podcast. Anyway, (laughs) I've got a lot going on right now, y'all. Anyway, I'm sure I'll share. But eventually, not today. Uh, It's all good, right? Like it's just, I've overcommitted to so many different things. And that's not what this podcast is about. So I'm gonna stop talking. Anyway, but yeah, so it's a question that I have addressed in the books and, and I've addressed in different ways, but it kind of goes with what I, I find myself saying similar things and I don't know if it's because I'm getting similar questions or if it's just kind of, I've had this realization. And so then, you know, it, it just kind of works its way into my answers a lot over the, the course of, you know, a period of time. And one of the things that I feel like I have said a lot lately is this decluttering process that I made up out of thin air, no, <laughs> that I created by decluttering in my own home and figuring out what actually worked for me. This decluttering process works exceptionally well for highly sentimental stuff. It is very easy to think, and it's very normal and understandable to think that, okay, there's decluttering and then there's sentimental decluttering and it's its own completely and totally separate thing, except that it's not because so much of what I do with decluttering that has finally actually worked after years of, of unsuccessfully trying has just been reality acceptance, right? And isn't that often a big part of sentimental stuff? Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that, but it, it is, it's accepting that space is finite. It just is, you know, it's accepting that if I try to keep more stuff, then we'll fit in my space there is literally no hope of my space ever being under control. That doesn't change because the stuff that I want to put in there is sentimental. If there is too much, I can't keep it under control. It is reality that my personality is such and my brain is such that I have a low clutter threshold. I am not able to handle a lot of stuff. Wishing I could, wanting to keep things because they mean a lot to me. They have a lot of memories attached. 
it doesn't change the fact that I can't handle it. I can wish all I want. It doesn't actually change anything. It doesn't make my clutter threshold higher because I want to keep this stuff. It is just reality. Reality is reality is reality. So I have just, when people lately have, you know, said, but what about sentimental? I'm like, there's no, but what about? It's the same process that works. But, but here's the beauty of it. I'm not saying that like, y'all, it's the same process. Just do it. You know, I'm never going to say that, right? I don't know what that accent was. Uh, what I'm saying is it's the same process. So give yourself permission to follow the process with the sentimental stuff. You don't have to have millions of dollars to benefit from the advice of a financial advisor. My husband and I not only have to make decisions about our own financial planning needs, but we also have to field questions from our kids who are now on their own. That's why I was excited to hear about the on-demand financial planning for absolutely everyone from Fearless Finance. Their business is built on making financial advice accessible and affordable. They make things easy to understand and keep the stress out of making investment choices. With Fearless Finance, you meet your planner virtually who will advise you on your financial journey. Are you paying back student loans, saving for your first house? Maybe you just want to make sure your finances are okay. You can ask all your questions and get answers, no judgment. You'll be charged an hourly rate, no long-term commitment, no minimum required. Visit fearlessfinance.com today. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit, and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use the code CLEAN. What is the process? Well, it's my five-step decluttering process. Sentimental stuff is not going to be trash. It's not going to be easy, right? Like it doesn't have an established home in your house. If it does and it's sentimental, great, then that's exactly what we're trying to do here, right? So that, but that one's already done. You're not having to make any decisions here. It's not duh clutter. Duh donations are by definition things that you don't have emotional attachment to, that you are like, why have I not already gotten rid of this? That's not sentimental stuff. So the first three steps don't apply here, but we do go ahead and work on those first three steps with everything else so that we don't just go, well, it's all sentimental. And in reality, there's a Rice Krispie Treat wrapper in there. You know, (laughs) I mean, like that's not sentimental that's trash, right? So we get rid of that so that we really are only looking and dealing with the sentimental stuff. And then we follow the same process. Okay. I thought this was going to be about one thing, but I'm thinking it could be about sentimental clutter. We'll see. We'll see how this goes, right? But we follow the same process with the sentimental stuff. So what does that mean? I pick up this item and it is the shoehorn that my grandpa used to help my date put on his prom shoes. I'm just making it up, right? But it's a shoehorn for that. That was the shoehorn. And so it is highly sentimental to me. And that is my first reaction. That is a great memory to have. It has absolutely no bearing on this process, okay, at this point. Instead, this is how this goes. 
Okay. If I needed this shoehorn, and I am absolutely allowed to say this shoehorn that my grandpa used on my date's shoes when I went to prom, again, no, not sure where this accent is coming from. When I went to prom, I can say where, if I was looking for a shoehorn, the shoehorn that my grandpa used, where would I look for it first? Okay. I'm going to ask that same question. If I was looking for the pillow that the ring bearer used in my wedding, where would I look for it first? If I was looking for my grandmother's necklace, where would I look for it first? Okay. I can be specific in the, what it is that I'm looking for, but I'm asking the same question. And then I'm going to go with the answer. Where would I look for, if I was looking for my, for for my grandmother's necklace, where would I look for it first? And then the first place that comes to mind as where I would look in, not because I was sure it was going to be there, but as the first stop on what I assumed was going to be tearing apart my house for the entire three days or something to try to find this thing. Where's the first place? And then I take it there now and I acknowledge the realities of this space. Is there room for this necklace? No, this thing is full. Okay, well, this is an important necklace. This is a highly sentimental necklace and it deserves space here in this place where I would look for it first. So what is in here that's filling up all this space that makes me go, well, there's no room for it. What is in this space that makes me realize or or what, what in this space deserves to be here less than this highly sentimental necklace of my grandmother's? Okay. What about the ring bearer pillow? I always say ring bearer because, uh, I always, I heard some story, like it was multiple different people said that it was something that happens where little kids are the ring bearer. And they think the whole time that somebody has been saying they're the ring bearer. And so then they pretend to be a bear. I think that's cute. But anyway, so I always try to say bearer because, you know, y'all need to know that anyway. Uh, but what about the, you know, the necklace? Okay. Yes. Oh yeah. But, but see how it kind of like shakes that out in your mind of, oh yeah, of course that works, right? Like this necklace that means absolutely nothing to me. And now that I actually look at it as something needs to leave here, I realize, yeah, that hasn't been in style in a couple of years and I haven't worn that. Anyway, that, that becomes easy, right? But what about the ring bearer? pillow. What, what about that one? Well, cause you go, I don't know, but where would I look for it first? I would look for this first in the, uh, you know, cabinet in the guest room. I don't know why. Okay. But you go into the cabinet in the guest room and you open up that one and you realize, Oh, this is completely full of my linens for the, the guest room and of my, whatever it is that I have in my guest room in this thing, that one is full. And you say, okay, well, what is deserves space in this, you know, place less than this ring bearer pillow. And then in that moment you realize, oh, 
actually, all of this stuff has real purpose and needs to be here. And there's simply no room for this ring bearer pillow. And so when I look at it that way, I realize, you know what? I I can get rid of the ring bearer pillow. I don't have to keep every last thing. And it, but, but I haven't ever said that it wasn't sentimental. I haven't ever said that I didn't love it, that I didn't value it, that I didn't have a memory attached to it, but I have carried through the process and gone in and realized and, and, and played it out and let the process help me deal with that because things have to have a place to go. Right? Like, I mean, like if I have stuff in my house that is more in volume than the actual places I have to put those things, then there's no hope of my house being under control, right? Like it can't happen. And so I have to follow the process. So the sentimental thing, okay, use the process for the sentimental stuff. Okay. Let's say that you have a place where you would look first for all of your wedding stuff, all the wedding stuff. Okay. There it is. And so as you've been decluttering, you have been taking stuff to this shelf in your master bedroom closet. And you're like, nope, that's where I would look first for the stuff from my wedding that's memories. And so you've been taking it there and you've been taking it there now and you've been taking it there now. And then you start to realize, oh yeah, that's full. That's full. Or maybe you went ahead and took it all there and piled it and let it kind of fall off and all that type thing. And then you realize, oh, it's, it's over full. Okay. I'm just going to take out my least favorite. I'm not saying that anything here is not sentimental. I am not, I'm not having to change how I feel. I'm not having to change how I think I about it. I'm not having to make value judgments. I'm just saying this is the space that I have. So out of these things, you know, that don't fit on here, what's my least favorite? It's still a favorite, right? Like it's what, what's the least important memory to me. It's still an important memory to me, but compared to the other ones, which one is the least important? Oh, wait, there's actually three ring bearer pillows here because that's right. I, you know, back before I was trying to declutter my house, I had gathered a whole bunch of different options. And now that I realize, you know, I mean, like that's the kind of stuff that happens to people like me, right? Or Oh, wait, these, you know, it, it, it's just amazing how when you let the facts and the reality make those decisions for you, it becomes more apparent. Okay. And when you are able to let go of something for those logical outside of you reasons, and you haven't had to reject that item, you've simply had to accept reality. It's amazing how much easier it is to do that. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. I am so excited to be working outdoors in my garden again. Fresh air and sunshine really do affect my mood. I'd rather spend more time outside and less time inside making dinner. That's why I love using Prep Dish. It helps me get our meals planned and prepped for the week. I receive a weekly meal plan in my inbox every Friday that fits my family's eating style. There are four to choose from. Each comes complete with recipes, a grocery list, and a detailed plan that walks me through a short prep session and sets me up for success for the coming week. Prep Dish's step-by-step meal prep plan only takes about an hour of prep each week, which I can work into my routine pretty easily. I can then get healthy homemade meals onto the table incredibly quickly throughout the week because the prep work is already done. If you're ready to free up some brain space, I've got great news for you. I got you two weeks free so you can try out the prep dish meal plans for yourself and see if they're a good fit for your family. Just go to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean for a two week free trial. Again, that's prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean for your first two weeks free. You won't regret it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. For those who've been listening for a while, you may have heard me talk about how time is a container. It's a finite thing. And if I try to squeeze too much into the time that I have available, I get stressed and anxious. Therapy can be a place to talk through realistic priorities and goals, helping you deal with stress and anxiety when your days feel overwhelming. It's been great for me to talk through setting boundaries and improving coping skills with a therapist. BetterHelp is entirely online. That makes scheduling convenient and flexible. To get started, you just have to fill out a brief questionnaire that will match you with a licensed therapist. If needed, you can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash clean today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash clean. What are we talking about here? What specific situation am I talking about? Well, let me read the, um, let me read the question. This is the email in your book. You mentioned that you were an English and drama teacher. I am a teacher who due to life circumstances is leaving the profession shortly before I could be considered early retired. I am working part-time as a substitute teacher because I cannot seem to let go entirely. My question for you is, How do I let go of all the teaching resources I have accumulated and created over the last 20 plus years? As a substitute teacher, I would realistically only need some of the materials, but not 80 boxes worth. How did you deal with the process of letting go of your professional materials? How did I do it Um, over time and, you know, not perfectly, especially in the beginning when I, you know, was at the height of my, my clutter. But let me just kind of tell you, you know, what, what it is that I've learned. Um, oh, oh, and this is important too. Then she says, I've been stuck with this issue for a long time. I have other clutter issues, but at the moment, the professional materials are one area I would like to conquer soon. I'm going to say 
If you have other clutter issues, make sure you are actively decluttering on those other issues. It is the most normal thing in the world for this, for a category of items, especially one that represents something that is, you feel like it should be obvious and yet you just can't let it go. Okay. Like, especially when it represents, you know, a a previous time in your life, um, that, that you've moved, you know, on from or away from that is not the place to start. Okay. You said, I have other clutter issues. Keep decluttering in the other areas because what tends to happen is we fixate on this big thing that we should or, or ought to be doing, which are the same thing, but whatever, uh, this thing that we should be doing. And because we're so consumed with thinking about it, we're not getting the other things done, but there's so much value in going ahead and working on the other stuff that is not so daunting and difficult. Okay. Because what it does is it gives you, first of all, it puts you into decluttering action and decluttering action is where you are truly understanding all these concepts that we've talked about that I said, apply it to sentimental stuff. It's easier to do that after you have consistently and successfully applied the same strategies to non-sentimental stuff. You will build your decluttering chops. It will be a different experience when you tackle this highly sentimental teaching stuff. If you have practiced all these same strategies on other kinds of clutter, okay, you're going to learn things. You're going to learn things about yourself. You're going to learn that you're capable of this. You're going to learn that you like having open space and an easier home to manage. You are going to learn that uh, it's okay to get rid of some things. You're going to learn the whole look, look, always look where maybe, maybe, maybe you have assumed that everything in those boxes that you're imagining in your brain are, uh, you know, that every single thing in there is highly useful and something you put a lot of time into And you may have learned from experience by doing other stuff that's not sentimental, that sometimes you assume that something is really important and then you actually open the box and realize, oh yeah, this is not sentimental. This is not difficult. It's really easy. So you're going to have a different perspective and you'll be more willing to do that when you get to those things. Okay. So you're going to learn a lot. You also will have a much better idea of your actual space and what you what your container can be to actually keep some of this. Okay. Because that's going to be one of the things I'm going to tell you here in just a second. (laughs) Uh, Spoiler alert. But, but really though, I mean, like this is the thing that, you know, we're, we're going to establish a spot for that, but you, it's hard to do that when there's clutter of all kinds everywhere else. When you deal with that clutter first, then you're like, okay, now, now I've cleaned out an entire closet. Oh, I can keep more of this stuff. Not that we're going to, but it's going to give you a much more realistic perspective because when you try to tackle it and you're like, okay, I got to figure, oh, I got to give myself a spot because that's going to be the thing that will help you get rid of a lot is knowing that you can keep some of it, right? When you're, the rest of the house is cluttered, then you can be looking at it and thinking, okay, but I don't actually know a place where I could put this. And then that makes it ambiguous and we don't want it to be ambiguous. We want it to be concrete. Okay. So 
but but I I also want to say okay because what part of this question was how do I let go? You let go in the same way that you do with anything else, and that's what we were talking about at the beginning. Okay, you follow the same process, but you acknowledge that this stuff represents a huge part of your identity. It also, I mean, I don't know the the situation at all. I only know what you wrote here, but due to life circumstances, you had to leave the profession shortly before you could be considered early retired. It sounds like it was a hard, hard situation, a hard decision for you to make. So it is most likely, I would almost say for sure that there are a lot of emotions tied up in here. Okay. So I am never going to say, don't feel the emotions. Don't honor the emotions. Don't acknowledge the emotions, you know, just, you know, close your eyes and throw it all in the trash. I'm not going to say that, but I am going to say, don't use the emotions to declutter or to hold onto things. Use the process to declutter and determine what is okay to keep and what needs to go. Okay. The process is the same. So once you get to it, after you've done the rest of their house, you're, you're going to be ready. You're going to be more ready for it than you are now. Okay. You, this is making you halted in your path at this point. You'll be in a different place after you've worked on the rest of the house. So what are we going to do here? Well, assuming that it's currently piled up in boxes somewhere, you brought this stuff home, you piled it in boxes somewhere. The first thing I would do is go through it looking for trash with no obligations, not, and here's the thing about trash. When I say start with the trash, I do not mean start by convincing yourself that this stuff you've always loved is actually trash. No, I'm saying look for trash, look for obvious trash that you don't have to make any decisions about. Give yourself permission to open up a box today, maybe as you're listening to this and you've realized, oh, wait, that's my email. She's reading. Open up that, open up a box and just look through it. Assuming that there's no trash. I mean, come on, right? Of course there's no trash. There's trash. But look through it, assuming that you're not going to get rid of anything. Saying the only thing I'm going to do right now is if there happens to be trash, I will get rid of that. But there's probably not trash, but I'm just going to look for trash. It's more about the looking for trash than it is about the finding for trash. Before you can find trash, you have to look for trash. Before you have to look for trash, you have to give yourself permission to look for trash or take my permission or whatever you need. Okay. So look for, for trash, go through it just like you would anyway. And then as you have done that, you know, box by box, you could do one box at a time. You could do, you know, a couple of boxes looking for trash and then go back through them and look for easy stuff. When I say easy stuff, I mean like, oh yeah, of course this will go here. It's very possible that you have, uh, you know, two boxes full of pencils or something. I don't know. Office supplies. Okay. That is technically easy because it's something that you probably, it's only easy for you if if you already have an established home for pencils, but go take it to the established home for pencils. You know, what is in there? Oh, wait, here's these gift cards that students gave me. I can go stick those in my wallet right now. You know, that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, I was thinking this was going to all be decisions. And yet there's actually stuff throughout these boxes 
that are easy. They have established homes. I just need to deal with those things. But you're giving yourself permission to just reduce a little, reduce a little, reduce a little following the same process that you would. Okay. Because at this point, you haven't gotten to anything that's sentimental. You've just dealt with actual trash, the Rice Krispie Treat wrapper that somehow is in there. And let's, we can blame a kid, right? Just blame a kid. The, the pins and office supplies. Okay. I've taken those to the, I've dealt with that. Now there's less in here and you're really starting to adjust in your brain to knowing what it is you're going to be dealing with. Are there any duh donations? Probably not. Yes, there probably are. Very likely you're going to look, maybe it's a uh, notebook paper. Oh, I, that's right. I would pick up 10 packages of notebook paper every single year. And wow, I've got an entire box full of notebook paper. Oh yeah, I can get rid of that. That's, you know, that would be considered a dead donation if it's a dead donation to you. Okay. So give yourself permission to work through the same process on this stuff that you would on anything else, whether it's box by box, couple of boxes at a time, whole set, whatever. Okay. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership. Or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And keep on going, you know, ask yourself the questions. If I needed this item, where would I look for it first? Because there might be some things that could transfer to your house. But let's say once we're getting down to, okay, the only things left in here are the actual materials that I created or purchased specifically that are just, you know, school related things. Uh, I know there are people who are like, oh, think of the people who will get them. They're going to get them down the line anyway. Let's look at how can you let this stuff go, right? Instead of convincing or guilting yourself into letting go, let's just go through it and say, okay, what space do I have in my home now that I've already done a lot of decluttering? What space do I have in my home to devote to teacher's stuff? Now, if you've been decluttering and you've been experiencing how nice it is to have open space instead of, you know, entire rooms full or boxes full of stuff that you don't actually use in your real life, this may be an easier question by the time you get to it than it would be right now if you were asking yourself that. But let's ask ourselves that anyway, okay? What space do I have to devote to teacher stuff? And when we ask ourselves that question, we're not asking, do I want to keep this stuff? Is this stuff great? Did I spend a lot of money on this? We're not asking any of that. We're saying, what space can I give to teacher stuff when I'm not a teacher anymore? 
that isn't taking up space that I need for the things I actually am doing for the, either the, the fun things that I've taken on or the difficult things that I'm having to deal with right now. Like those things get priority space over this thing that represents a prior time in my life. But I, I ask myself, what space do I have to give to it? Maybe it's a a cabinet. Maybe it's a box. Maybe it's a closet. I don't know. But as you determine that, what space do I have to give to this stuff that I'm not using right now, but it's not taking up any space that I need for the things I am using right now, then you put those things, your favorite of that stuff in there first. Okay. And when you are looking at the stuff, you're saying it's all valuable. I love it all. It all represents a phase of my life that I felt was, you know, my best phase or something I enjoyed and how I see myself. All of it does. But what's the best? Oh, well, that's the best. That's the one I was most proud of. And it starts to just sift out the things that are more space worthy than other things. Okay. Um, so, so maybe, maybe it's that, okay, I'm substituting. And so I'm going to take with me, you know, I, I've, I've got a portable bag. That's my substitute bag that I take with me. I know when I substituted for a short period of time, my aunt who had been a great substitute, uh, she gave me that advice. She was like, you know, have your little bag of, of stuff that you take with you. So you've always got something, you know, to do. So maybe you have that. Maybe it's one of those little rolly cart things. Uh, so, okay, I've got the rolly cart and this is my container that I have for this phase of my life and these types of things. When you do that, it's amazing how the most substitute proper container worthy stuff will naturally reveal itself to you. Okay. It feels like, oh, how am I ever going to decide? You just say, what's my favorite? What deserves space the most? Oh, well, this game right here that is doesn't require any other supplies and I can immediately blah, 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 and whatever that that's number one. Okay. That goes. And, and it's amazing how it just kind of sifts out what you do and you don't, you know, desperately really want. Maybe you have the room to have a substitute bag for each category of like, okay, I've got a substitute bag for K through two days. I've got a substitute bag for three through five. Maybe it's your trunk and it has, I don't know, because it's different for everybody. What space do you have to devote to that? Pick your favorite stuff. Let the container make the decision. Okay. It's the same process and it works exceptionally well for these difficult categories of items. Okay. This would be the same thing for a farmer who's moved to the city. You had all the farming paraphernalia and you moved to the suburbs. I mean, this was my grandparents, right? Like they had a big farm, not big, but they had a farm, a family farm, and then they moved into town. And I can remember at least half of their very large backyard being a garden. Why? Because that was part of their identity. But they had to declutter, which I mean, I'm assuming 
I was not there. And if I was, I didn't care and pay attention. But, you know, they couldn't bring all of their farm equipment. They couldn't bring their big, humongous tractor in town to their thing because they would never get through the gate, right? Like, it's the it's the same thing. It's like, okay, in the life I'm living right now, what space do I have to devote to this stuff? Well, and then it becomes, okay, here's something small that I absolutely loved and I used all the time and it was highly val- valuable. This one can fit. And then I don't have to feel like I'm just saying, okay, that part of my life is completely gone. Instead, I'm like, no, I've got this and it's a starter thing for if I ever got to do this again, Right but you let the container make those hard decisions. It's the same thing for the city girl who's moved to the farm, right? Like, you know, she's got all her fancy clothes. I know it's like a Hallmark movie here. Anyway, she's got all her fancy clothes and she moves and she doesn't have the space for that because she needs the other stuff. You know, it's the same concept, right? Like whatever your very difficult situation is, the process works. It's the same for the college student who's graduated from college and now needs to become a teacher and now has to have like actual teachery clothes to wear. Oh, okay. Well, now I've got these teachery clothes. I don't have room for all my umbros. Y'all don't wear umbros anymore, do college students? Anyway, that's what we were when I was in college. It's the same thing for anything. The process works exceptionally well on excessively difficult and highly emotional, sentimental situations. Okay. I hope that was helpful. I'll talk to y'all later.